When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The wait is finally over and sport is back on Now TV. It's lights out and away we go! Where you can watch Sky Sports, Premier Sports and BT Sport together and all without a contract. What a fantastic part. So whether there's a day, week or whole month of action you just can't miss, you can now stream the lot. Oh, it's a fabulous goal! This is your sport on your terms. Search Now TV Sports to find out more. 18 plus content streamed via internet. Full terms apply. Hi, Dad. Hello, Grace. Tell me. I've been doing this every day. Right. Gratitude list. Okay. Now, I know you're not really into this hippy-dippy, shippy stuff, but I am quite, you know. I did write write a piece seven weeks ago about 20 things that I'm enjoying about the lockdown. Thank you very much. Uh, if you want to check out that piece, it is on alistacampbell.org. Um, I think it was in the New European, but anyway. But all um, of my pieces are on alistacampbell.org. All of your pieces are on alistacampbell.org. Mm. That is on the World Wide Web. Um, three things you're grateful for. Uh, the dog. Because she loves you the most. Probably loves me more than any living being has ever done. Uh, Explain what that feels like, because our last dog didn't love you more than... Yeah, but no, but our last dog was never didn't see me as much when she was young and also it was your dog you were obsessed mum became obsessed I just wasn't that bothered I liked Molly but I wasn't like you know this dog just what I love about it is that you two you think you're the dog people in the family you're so insanely jealous about the dog loving me so much but the thing that I will say is I don't think you would have loved this dog that much had the dog not loved you that much which shows how kind of ego driven you are oh okay I see thanks um (laughs) Also, maybe it shows that my, my dad, having been a vet, that my animal side is coming out. So that's the first thing, I think, the dog. Um, Runner-up to the dog is probably your mum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she and I have been getting on probably better than we ever have done, to be absolutely frank, since the early days when I was... How long have you been together now? 40, 40 years, I think. 40 years, yeah. That is mad. Um... So that's been good, and also the fact that, I mean, I've got to say, uh, cooking has really come on in the 40 years. <laughs> it really has. So that, just to clarify, that's her cooking. It sort of sounded like you said cooking. No, her, I said Yeah, her. her. You sort of, you sort of mumbled cook. the her. I'm not going to pretend. Um, so she's been cooking you lovely meals. Yeah, and then I think the third thing has probably got to be Hampstead Heath. Just the birds and the trees and the... The way the world is is catching on to my idea of the Tree Olympics and 
I've had so many offers by so many different countries, and we're starting now Tree Olympic Committee in each country. You're not going to be part of this because you've just laughed at the whole thing. The whole mm. you're not even coming to the opening ceremony or the after party. <laughs> Nothing. You're not involved at all. So yeah, dog, mum, Heath. Okay, <laughs> thanks for that. So just every living being isolating with you apart from myself, the one who engages and interacts with you a lot. <laughs> That's fine. You mm-hmm. weren't going to be on mine. Okay. Um, okay, so mine are... I'm very grateful for yoga. Mm-hmm. I know you you find that annoying, but I'm grateful for yoga and yeah. for mum for, for making me do yoga. And Mum's doing well today. She's have a good day. Huh? Yeah. And for mum, you said. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, my God. Like she's going to be on my list. Mm. Grateful for mum, mainly because she makes me do yoga. Like She books these yoga classes for us. And pays for them. Yeah. <laughs> grateful for yoga. Grateful for technology grateful that i've got a functioning laptop mm-hmm. sorry to rub it in your face because i know yours has had some troubles the last 24 Big hours troubles functioning laptop functioning phone i know it sounds silly and superficial but we really take those for granted when they're not working i had a broken mm. laptop and a broken phone last week yeah and it's really nice to have that actually i was amazed how un totally stressed i got yesterday when i thought i lost absolutely everything off my laptop including <laughs> the 48 documents that mum found open <laughs> that was working on. You don't and shut it, documents, do and you? Including the fact I hadn't installed any updates. For yeah, about. but that's that's what I mean. Yesterday, you were on a big rant of why is it always fucking me that's got all the technical problems? <laughs> it's always me. Have you heard of anyone else who's got this many technical problems? Um, the third thing I'm grateful for is my boyfriend, mm. even though he hasn't. Actually, I'm quite grateful for him because mm. you've been much less of a pain in the ass with him around. Yeah, yeah, grateful for him. He's been really, really calming, calming, mm. and um, we've had lots of fun. So Good, having lots of fun. There you go. So, right, we let's talk about because you said mum and you said how happy you've been getting along, and you and mum have just started the program Afterlife. Mm. Ricky Gervais, Netflix. Oh my god, it's so sad. Well, it is sad, but last night, I mean, I was at one point, I fell off the sofa. I was. I was holding my sides so hard, I thought I was going to die. I honestly thought I was going to die. I thought, can I go to the Royal Free when they're dealing with COVID? And I say, I'm in real pain because I've been laughing so much. And it, was, it wasn't, do you know what it started? I think when I first started to get paid, it was the very first episode. You know, I've got a thing about people eating out of tins. Mm. When he was drinking vegetable curry from a tin, I was, oh my God. But you've got to remember, Mum and I met working in local papers. And I'll tell you what, the atmospherics of that local paper are so good. Accurate. Well, it's obviously not accurate in the comedy, it's, but it's the, funny. The, the, yeah, the thing of the. And then when they go out to meet all of these I know, these people. ridiculous sort of non stories that yeah. you have to pretend are stories. And the guy, we used to have people who came off the street and think they had the greatest story ever. And you had to be sort of nice to them whilst all the time wishing, I wish to fuck this guy would stop coming in. And I'll tell you the other thing that I love about it is the, because I'm a bit like this. I, I sometimes do go like him, you know. And the other thing you'll appreciate, when the guy eating the crisps mm. loudly. I mean, what am I like in cinemas if somebody's eating but you're crisps? But like, you're very like that all the time. You are. You have. I'm not as brave as him. I'm not as brave as him. I would not. You see the kids who tried to mug him. Yeah. I'm not sure I'd hit them in the face with dog food. 
I might have done, but I'm not sure. But and I think the characters are, and you're right, it is incredibly sad, and it's about grief and loss. See that, and I'll tell you, me so and the much. stuff about suicide is so on the edge. Mm. You know, my mental health campaign, I sort of thinks, oh, I didn't like the scene, for example, in the bath with the razor. Don't want to give too many spoilers. Okay, away. I mean, Ricky Gervais, who, like your mother and I, is a regular frequenter of Hampstead Heath. If I, I think some of it's filmed it's in the, all filmed in Hampstead, is it? But the, but the shot of the town is like Marlow or something. That's in like Surrey. But all of the stuff of his house, where that homeless guy oh, lives, that's, that's all in Hampstead. Yeah, I thought I, thought I recognised that. I interviewed Rasheen Connerty, who's the blonde woman who plays the sex working. Roxanne. You know, Ro- Rasheen. Yeah, Roxy. Yeah, Roxy. But he brings her back to clean the house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she said, basically, he everything he films, he just makes it all be in Hampstead because that's where he lives and he doesn't like travelling. It's like Usain Bolt doing his adverts in It's like you. <laughs> if you were doing stuff, you wouldn't want to move. Right, so, I, I, but I think it's, it's so, so, so serious and there's bits of it where you just sort of want to cry. And the thing of the woman who sits up at Stan's stand, the funeral, the, de- the dead guy at the grave and talks to the grave and he's talking about, that stuff's genius. He's a, ge- he's a bit of a genius, Ricky. I hadn't oh, quite realised. Oh, he's a bit of a genius. He's a proper genius. Yeah. Like, his speech at the Golden Globes this year, I thought, was the most unbelievable. No, but I, and the other thing, I love, what is his obsession with offices? Yeah, I know. But I just think it's because it's a really hotbed for comedy. Like, what my mum was saying when I spoke to her this morning your about mom? it. Your mum? Well, she's not your mum. Yeah, she's mum. Why are you saying my mum? Like, mom. we're having Anna, a conversation between strangers. Has, my mum, or mum, was saying... She's never seen something about local papers like that. That just really, it just captures how hilarious and like brilliantly mundane it all is. No, but it's all, I mean, I don't think you'd have the, the kind of those really poisonous relationships, but you have the germs of it. I mean, I used to sit next to this guy and I hope he won't mind me telling this story. He was called David Ireland. Right, and every time he phoned, it, so I'm sitting next to him, and every time he made a phone call, he said, "Hi, it's David Ireland, as in the country." Right, every single time. <laughs> so I started going through a phrase of saying, "Hi, it's Alistair Campbell, as in the soup." <laughs> but I mean, also, why do you have to say because, as in something? Because can I say first of all, he probably wanted to differentiate between Ireland, as in Britain is an island, yeah. or whatever. Secondly, when mum got the dog sky yeah. whenever she told someone what the dog was as called, in the island no she'd go sky not not the channel no she would she, she no, no, sky as in the island no no but she'd always say not the channel yeah. right as in as if anyone had thought murdoch's channel when they heard sky not the thing that lives above us all she used no, to always, I think a lot of people would think sky over sure. over sky as in the sky above us definitely Dad, oh my God, are you joking? If mum saying, as in the island, is because her mind is subconsciously going back to when she sat two desks away... From David from Island. David, as in, as in the country. Could be. Could be, very much so. Oof. But also, I like funny quirks about people like that. Yeah. So on uh, my birthday last week, we had a Grace dedicated quiz, and one of the questions which Tara did was... What brand of sunglasses does Grace's mum famously wear? <laughs> My favourite tweet of the entire lockdown was Frankie Boyle 
I cannot tell you how lonely I would have to be to take part in a family quiz. <laughs> I, I definitely identified with that. So he's really, really funny on Twitter. So you've been watching Afterlife. We also, we watched Normal People, not together, thank God. That would have been thank uncomfortable. God. I really loved Normal People and I've thought about it a lot since. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, I'm amazed that Daisy, who plays Marianne, is actually from London. From North London. Her accent, her Irish accent is, and I've checked it with a few Irish friends, it's flawless. They're getting really pissed off in Ireland because apparently it's on, it's on RTE every Tuesday or Thursday, once a week. And they're way behind. They're, they're up, so no. They can't watch it all in one go like what, like what we did. Oh, that's really annoying. So, no, I thought it was really, really good. I thought it was brilliant on youth, relationships, consent... Mental health, I Mental thought the health. anxiety, and especially in the male character, like he had really bad anxiety. I thought they portrayed that well. Two points. I did think after a while the sex became kind of gratuitous. It was the same sort of scene again and again. Maybe that was meant to be. And the second thing I thought is that when she, her character was being developed as this person who's sort of hated and bullied and all that, part of the thing was that she was ugly, but I thought she was utterly beautiful okay i would like to counter that Mm. by saying when people bully people and say you're ugly Mm. a lot of the time they're not ugly it's insecure people who are jealous of actually what that person has therefore they sort of try and make them feel like they're ugly and they're not that's really common well i guess i'm saying i actually quite liked her from the start but but you're you're meant to and i actually thought she was really well cast because in the book she starts off by being this kind of like outsider and then she gets to university at Trinity and she's suddenly like someone that everyone wants to be around. And mm. it's like, well, she couldn't have completely changed. It was just how people saw her at school versus how people yeah, saw yeah, her yeah. at university. Yeah, so I suppose it had to be like... And I think the, the, other, the thing that was annoying about watching it with mum was that she kept saying, Connell has spots in the book. He did have bad skin, I think. In the film? At the beginning. No, he's pretty handsome the whole Oh, he's gorgeous. There's an Instagram account that's gone viral called Connell's Chain and it's like really sexualised captions with pictures of his chain and him, of course. The chain, yeah. yeah. It's gorgeous shame. No, I thought it was really good. It's, uh, it's done see, insanely love, well. Love to see Dublin. Dublin's one of the places I miss. Oh, I love Dublin. It and it was so real. It was so real. Was it? It was like a really sort of painful love story, which I think is really common where people aren't very good at explaining their emotions. And so they never get to where they want to be because they're really bad at talking about how they feel, which mm. is what a lot of young people are. Um, so what should we talk about next? Mm. I've, written a, I've got a piece in the mirror um, where I make the point that if you put together those kind of right-wing propaganda outlets like the Sun, the Express, the Mail, the Telegraph, that's so pro-Johnson it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, their coverage during both his illness and now the baby has been utterly ridiculous I'm not saying that him being ill wasn't a big story of course it wasn't the newspapers should have covered it and covered it in scale but the sun became just extraordinary I mean the sun's just been extraordinary I've, I've, I've written I've written a 13,000 word analysis of the government and media handling of this crisis for tortoise media today you actually told me it was 17,000 yesterday yeah but I've edited it I'm very good at it Oh, down. Like a book so it's still long. I mean, it's still a very long read. Mm. But one of the points I make is that, you know, the, some of the coverage had, has been 
like off the scale in terms of Kim Jong-un style propaganda. And, oh my God, if I think about how we in power would have been covered if we'd have made as many absolute fuck-ups as these people, we'd be absolutely destroyed. I mean, even even something, this will sound like a really small point, but I'm just thinking back to some of the things that happened with us. So, for example, when Boris Johnson's in hospital, they say the line was, he's in good spirits, his spirits are up, um, you know, he's he's a fighter and all this sort of stuff. He does an interview at the weekend with The Sun, talks about how he was at death's door and the doctors were about were talking about how to announce he was dead. Um, that can't both be true. And added to which, The Sun, you know that when he was in hospital, literally every single day they led the news on that, they led the paper on that. And now with the baby, all his career, virtually, he has said, if you ask him how many children have you got or what about this or what about that with it's his family. It's got nothing to do with my... He just says, I never talk about my family life. Well, he's talking about it plenty now because he knows that, that he'd rather have the media focus on that, Wilfred naming the kid after the doctors and all that stuff, than the absolute disaster of highest deaths in the, in the European... in Europe, still failing on PPE still can't get their act together on properly on testing, fiddling the figures on testing, the care homes still not got proper protection, the absolute litany of mistakes from Cheltenham to Liverpool to Leverkusen to... Mm. So anyway, this is what I'm pieced as I go through it all. But I also, and I try to do it fairly. I keep sort of trying to make observations that I honestly think there are things, simple things they can do to improve both their strategy and their communications. And I think the trouble with Johnson and Cummings and these people, they are not... He's not, a, he's not actually a prime minister. He's a campaigner. But and do, he's on a campaign do you still. think that this will have a proper long-lasting effect on them? It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. I mean, I, I think if... But if you think about the information that a lot of the people in the country are getting, is it going to be like, we'll come out of this and half the country will think, that they did a terrific job. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think that... Look, I don't think anybody would be able to say... I thought it was rude. Did you see the goggle box thing? Mm-mm. So they had they're a the goggle box um, where they were, they were watching Johnson's statement outside Downing Street when he talked about apparent success and we've done this, we've done that. And the goggle box was just... It was like, what are you on about? Uh, you know, and it was, it was, really, it was interesting because they were saying, like, you know... It, it, they just felt he was just playing it for politics, and I people think I think people are sensing that. And so the honest answer is I don't know, but I think if if it becomes and how do you think Keir Starmer's handling? Well, I think pretty well. I mean, I, I I'm probably a more aggressive sort of political animal than he is. I would like to see more gloves being landed on them. I actually think when they say things like apparent success, they've got to be totally called out for that. But I think what he's doing is is the right thing, and it plays to his skills. He's very forensic, he's very detailed, he's quite legalistic, I guess, and he's just pressing them the whole time on on the process as they now try to move towards easing the lockdown. Um, so I think pretty good. He's definitely won. I mean, he's he's his first. He's got his first prime minister's questions this Wednesday against Johnson, but he's definitely won. So Both far. of the encounters with Rob. Be really interesting to see how he does tomorrow. Yeah. I think he's people are really kind of seeing him in a good way right now. I well, think he's, he's been mus- perfectly visible. I'd like him to be more visible in a way. And the other thing is I think he's got two massive advantages. He's not Corbyn and he's not Johnson. And I think one of the problems And the he's last fresh. Election, he's stopping to me. Yeah. And one of the problems at the last election 
was that people hated that as a choice, Johnson or Corbyn. Now, they went for Johnson in the end because he's, you know, probably got more oomph and he had a clearer message and all that. And Corbyn really was seen as kind of quite toxic by a lot of people. And I think Karma, I think Karma, I think Starmer, I think Keir Starmer has, um, I think he started well, but I just, I would like to see more blows being landed on the opposition, on the government. I'd like to see the the shadow cabinet and the parliamentary Labour Party more generally just being a bit more visible. Have you been talking to him at all? Might be. Ooh, mystery. Mr. Mystery Man. Do you get that a lot where people ask, will ask you for insider information, presuming that you know what's going on? Because I get it on your behalf so much, <laughs> where people will say, do you have any idea when the lockdown's going to end? Do you have any idea? And I'm like, I'm literally just as... I did a very when I was when I when I was I did a very interesting interview with a guy called Eamon Malley, who's a Northern Ireland journalist and he's got a podcast same as everybody's got a podcast these these days. His is called um, Football Feminism and Everything Between. No, that's us. (laughs) And he said, "Why are you not? Why are you not locking? Why didn't you do the lockdown earlier?" He's like talking to me like I was in government. (laughs) I said, "Eamon, our day's gone. Yeah, what are they doing? What are they doing? Tell me. Will you explain to me what are they doing?" No, I don't think people think I'm... People certainly don't think I'm in the know with the with the Tories. Although actually, I think people think that you're in the know, I think partly because of your social media presence and how much you're kind of attacking and analysing and commentating on things. I think people do think you know more than you do. That may be true. I mean, I know, I know quite a lot about what's going on in Labour. I, I do still know people inside the government. And actually, bizarrely, you'd be surprised at some of the ministers who talk to me. Yeah, I love it. I love, I love that. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes they want to talk to me because they want to try and keep me a bit less aggressive. But I'm, I've decided I, at the start I was very kind of, you know, given the benefit of the doubt. Excuse me, don't get too engaged. But I'll tell you what really did it for me was that day that Hancock wouldn't say how many NHS mm. doctors and nurses had died. I thought, this has all gone wrong. That's what made me start to write this piece for Tortoise. Um, and since then, when you actually go back, because this thing's there's so many elements to it, it's moved so fast, and I've never underestimated how difficult it is, by the way. It's off the scale difficult. But because it's so difficult, that says to me you've got to do a much better job of engaging the public honestly about what's going on, honestly about the decisions that you're making. And where do you think around the world that's been done right? Macron? Uh, I think Macron's got the big moments right. I think his addresses, his addresses to the nation have been good. But France has got a lot of problems, no doubt. I think if you're looking at the ones that have done incredibly well, uh, people talk a lot about South Korea and Germany, and they have. I think Jacinda Ardern in New Zealand, brilliant. I make the point in this piece that, for me, as a communicator, the best single piece of communication in this whole thing... The tooth fairy thing. No, it wasn't. It was her first. That was good. It was her first, when she raised the alert to like, basically gave the country two days to go into lockdown. And she was brilliant on the empathy of it, of this is going to be difficult and all that stuff. But she said this thing. She she said, New Zealand only has 102 cases, but so did Italy once. And I thought that as a framing piece of communication Mm. was brilliant. Her Her Facebook lives were brilliant. So I think she's been good. The Greek prime minister has been terrific. Uh, now, Greece has got a absolute sort of, you know, basket case reputation for obvious reasons of recent history, but he's been really, really effective. Uh, I think some of the some of the scans, I think the Danish woman, Fredriksson, she's been good. But what do you think is the key thing and here? Empathy. Um, 
I think empathy is important, but I think more important is this point that I'm. It's making. interesting that a lot of the people you said there were women. Yeah. I think empathy is important, but I think much more important, and maybe this is a product of empathy, is taking people into your confidence about the decisions. And what both Trump and Johnson do is they don't do that. They just say, aren't we great? Look at us, aren't we great? I mean, how he can stand outside Downing Street when he's just back from having got the virus, probably in part because he was totally cavalier about it, Mm. both personally and politically, and he doesn't even mention health service workers who've died. He doesn't even mention care homes. He doesn't mention the fact that we're rising up, heading, you know, heading past Italy and Spain in the death league tables. I, I mean, that's a horrible phrase, but you know what I mean. And he talks about our apparent success. That is narcissism. That is just off it's the scale. It's just brutal, brutally offensive to all of the people who's, who've lost family members and friends to COVID-19. It's just so offensive to say that we've done a terrific job of, uh, yeah. of it. But I also think there is there is a lot of ego around that. And re- people like him and Donald Trump are really good at... What's that phrase? When you can like shine up a piece of shit, basically. That's lying to not gaslighting. Oh, polishing a turd. Polishing a turd. Like they, they good. They they like to show you a piece of shit and tell you it's like the best piece of shit in the world and that they've got t- the best. And um, what's interesting is so on, on the Monday he did that statement outside number ten, and he said apparent success. And then there was a little bit. There was to be honest, there wasn't that much of an outcry. But then the next time he spoke on the Thursday, carefully having nothing to do with Parliament in the meantime, he. He used the word success again, and he absolutely emphasized it. It was like a sort of it was like a it was like the verbal equivalent of a social media troll. He sort of went success, and that said to me, they are going to just completely assert that this is a success, like Trump does, and just lie, and then have all their bots and their social media sycophants and their real media sycophants, of which they've got far too many, and hope that that sort of sticks. I don't think it will because I think this is too big. I'll tell you the other thing that's been quite interesting the last 24, 48 hours. I think the scientific advisors are finally waking up to the fact that Johnson throws under the bus anybody that suits him at the time. And this whole thing about we're led by the science, led by the science, bullshit. Your job as the Prime Minister and the Ministers is to take decisions informed by the science. The scientists don't take political decisions. Mm, They're not politicians. No, although, frankly, too many of them talk as though they are. Yeah, and I think... They will be used as scapegoats now. Probably. It's a really easy way out for the government to say that they were given the wrong information. No, I do think it's been a fiasco. And I think if... I honestly do believe... To be fair, Steve Richards, a journalist, he pointed this out. The thing about Hancock saying they'd passed the tests. If we had tried to pretend that we'd passed 100,000 target based on tens of thousands still in the post, most of them to Conservative Party members who had responded on the, from the party database... I'd, I'd have been, honestly, they would have been calling for my head and getting me before a select committee for daring to suggest that was a piece of mm. truthful communication. But then what do you think will happen after this? Do you think there will be a robust inquiry? I don't know. I mean, the government will try to avoid it because that's what they do. He avoids scrutiny. Look at this thing about this so-called comprehensive plan on Sunday. Why is he doing it on a Sunday? Because... Answer, he doesn't want to go to Parliament. 
No, I th well, my friends think it's because this is a bank holiday weekend and he wants to say that there's going to be some easing after Rubbish. the bank holiday weekend. It's a way of avoiding scrutiny. It means you can get a few questions from Laura Koonsberg and Robert Peston rather than Keir Starmer and some MPs who will, you know, really go for Interesting. it. Interesting. For sure. The Speaker's been up today saying it's regrettable, which is his word of saying... He's such a fucking twat, Boris Johnson. We're talking about this. Right, let's talk about something a bit more... Fun. So football, I'm really, 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 really missing football. But I'm, I'm getting worried. I mean, should we explain what Rory does? Mm -hmm. So before I mention Rory, mm -hmm. Rory's my brother. That's your brother. What he he works in football analytics. And because he works in football analytics, his business, which he's built up and is pretty successful, needs live football. And live sport. And live sport more generally. And he sent me a message today saying the Germans. Bracket serious country, he said. He's obviously inherited my view on that. Uh, serious country are looking like they're bringing football back pretty soon. What, behind closed doors? Behind closed doors, all the players tested and all that stuff. Now, um, I think it's going to get harder and harder to bring it back here. Why? Well, I think generally, because we've been so late into the lockdown, I think we're going to emerge later from it. And I think that, I just think for football, it's going to be, I think our football... Unfairly, a lot of it, in my view, but our football has a, a, mo a worse kind of public image, say, than football does in Germany. And I think there'll be lots of, you know, why are these footballers getting tested and not the social care workers and all that sort of stuff? And I think you've seen from some of the players as well. Some of them are worried about coming back. Um, yeah, which is fair enough. I mean, I think when all of this eases, it will be a real thing that people will disagree on. Some people will be more lax around being near strangers or whatever and some yeah. people aren't going to want to do it by the way they want to risk their lives you know last week when we were going through my terrible cuttings about miss world yeah about which i've written a column in the new european this week second plug for new european well when i was going through that cuttings book i came across this one which is it just shows you how much the world is i can actually remember doing this story so here we've got a, a gorgeous pastry model She's a page three model. Carol Needham, yeah. She's a famous she's page three model. she's got a top on. She's got a top on because she's also a model. She's a model and right. a page three model. Right, got you. And this wasn't page three. This is the it's Daily Mirror. Daily Mirror. And it's the, the headline is a glossy new look for the champions. And it's Carol So Needham. what's the news of this story? The news in it is that this was, this is actually a historic picture. This was the first English league football strip with sponsors advertising and the advertising the sponsor there is crown paints is and, that right and they were paying half a million pounds <gasps> which is roughly what the top players earn in a week now for a three-year deal to have their name on liverpool shirts and tracksuits god how much do you think sponsors pay now squillions well listen to this but a tv ban on advertising means that millions of viewers will never see the slogan liverpool will have to wear plain shirts when their matches are televised I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, when you think that that is... Then when... It, was it after this that it started to all unravel and then become really normal? Uh, I think it was probably a kind of, you know, a, a brick in the wall. Can I ask, with football sponsors, why do they, like, need that extra money? Um, when, presumably, in my mind, football clubs have plenty no, the big, of money. The big, the big money for football is TV revenue. Yeah, exactly. Right, but then this, then tickets, ticket sales, but this sort of stuff is big. I mean, I don't know. We, I mean, look. Who's you know, Burnley's sponsor? 
Grace, I'm wearing it, but you but... love bet. <laughs> <laughs> tell our read, tell our listeners what I'm wearing. You are wearing a Burnley sort of lovely. It's a lovely jumper, actually. It's very fashionable. It looks like it's Paul Smith or something. Clara Umbro. It's not uh, a jumper. It's a tracksuit top. But it's a jumper, technically. Yeah. And, and underneath, it. you've got another little claret number with, uh, is that Leighton James? Leighton yeah, James, Leighton yeah. James, an yeah. ex-Burnley player, yeah. one of the Burnley superstars. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then on the bottom, you're just wearing a plain pair of with, black tracksuits with, with, with a the injury. toe bandage. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, so, if, no, I, so... I, so, wait, why do you think... If it's going to happen in Germany, surely it will be a sort of knock-on effect. Yeah, it may be. It may be. But I, I, I think we're, you know, don't... The other thing that's obviously happening is that some clubs, those who are sort of hovering with relegation, would prefer the season was written off like it has been in France and Holland, for example. If you're Liverpool, you want the season to be completed so as you can be crowned properly champions. There's a big thing going on in Scotland where the season's been effectively cancelled and Celtic looked like they were going to win it, but they're not giving them the title. Or Rangers are definitely against that. So it's, it's fraught and it'll be legally fraught because, you know, all these contract deals with the TV companies, which are worth billions, they depend on the games being played. So the, the, the pressures to get football back will be enormous. And also, I mean, I know Rory's business depends on it, but even though I would obviously like football to be back and you could go to it, watching football with a crowd of zero, it will minimise the spectacle, but I'd still rather have that than no football. Yeah, for sure. I, mean, I don't think you're going to be able to go to a football match for a really long time. Well, hold on, but I'm, I'm co-gaffer, so I'll be on the bench with the gaffer. You won't, actually. Sorry? You've never been on the bench with no, the gaffer. No, that's normally I'm in the stands with the earpiece, but I mean, you're now not. I'll go I've been there when we're in apart. the stands and you're trying to get... Sean Dyche's attention and he's literally doing everything he can to face away from you because well, he can see you going, Sean, Sean, please, please. No, he's and he's turning away from you. because he has got the earpiece and I get the phone out and I pretend I'm making a phone call but I say, Sean, <laughs> Dwight's playing too deep. When we went we last up. time, we were with all the Arsenal people. We were in the director's box, do you remember? Yeah. And we, we had all the Arsenal crew. Yeah. That guy sitting behind you was really famous. Who was he again? David O'Leary? Yeah. Top man he is. Yeah. So yeah. surely if you were giving Sean tips, they would have been listening yeah, in do you remember whose and telling... No, but do you remember whose picture I took? It's sitting in front of us. Yeah. Freddie Lundberg. Freddie Lundberg. Right, he was doing... The, he's doing... The job I was doing for Sean, he was doing that job He was. For, he was being very... Um, what's the word? Sort of blasé with his notes in front of us. He had no, no idea that you were sitting the, behind him. And the pictures he's were going just, straight to the bench. Yeah. Freddie, you got to watch out, mate. And what was the score, though? Nil-nil. No, no. Yeah, it's a good result. <laughs> it was a good result. Well done. And you did so much to do with that. I did a fair bit. It was all thanks to you. No, not all thanks to me. Listen, you've got to give the players some credit. A li- just a fraction of yeah. credit. So uh, you'd rather it happen. That's a bit like sort of, you know, saying that we, you'd like to be able to go to a concert if it was only you there. Well, I'd, look, I'd rather no, because I mean, I think music's slightly different. I mean, I, I've, you can been, you can consume music in the same way. No, not the same way. It's not the same. But I think there's been some. We we did a mum and I had our first Zoom dinner party the other day. Yeah, do you want to say who is? With David Miliband and his wife Louise, and she's a musician. She sent us the link that they'd done. Her orchestra played this fabulous stuff where they're all in their own houses with their instruments, and then they were a bit like my number one hit. With Your number one hit, yeah. Um, 
so there's lots of that good going on. There's some amazing, I mean, as you know, I'm not as much into sort of dancing ballet and stuff as mum is, but I actually, somebody did send me this amazing um, dance thing where this dance group had done different things of their own. So I think that is different, but the truth is you can't play football by Zoom. But I also do think the thing, and we spoke about this last week, so we don't need to keep talking about it, but it's more you don't have the live developments of the leagues and the action and the sort of how a player's doing and how a team's doing to talk about. It's the gossip that you miss. It's the being able to bitch about your team, another team, why you did so badly, why you did so well with someone else. You've lost your biggest stream of conversation. Mm. Not the biggest, but one of the definitely. That and politics for you is what you sort of enjoy talking about. Yeah, birds and trees. Birds and, um, and how shit the government is communication. Yeah, well, you always talk about that. That's though. true. That's true. That's an ongoing and, thing. And the um, no, but I'll tell you the other thing that's interesting about the sports scene has been interesting as well because these people are characters in our national life. So actually, it's interesting, for example, to see some of them have just disappeared. I'm not criticizing. Presumably, them, like a lot of the well, like Mourinho was out the other day doing. There was a great interview with David Moyes about. When he was out, he was a volunteer and he was delivering food and about this the woman he was organising it didn't know who he was and she gave him a 20 quid tip and said, uh, thanks for all your help. Here's a little Stop something it. for you. Seriously, yeah. And what did he say? I think he was embarrassed. To say, he didn't do the, do, do, you know, who I am thing. So I think he took it. <laughs> but it was a great interview. Uh, so there's, you know, and, and certainly, um, and I've got to say, Burnley's social media operation has been fantastic they're playing they're doing old games on social media as though they're happening live they're putting out some fantastic that's gorgeous they're putting some fantastic old film out and they're doing some really good interviews with the players at home and other players a lot of them well Burnley has a lot of sort of UK players but have a lot of the players travel back to wherever they're from do you well, think I doubt any of them really can because they're you know they're, they're under contract They'll be they don't know when it's going to start done, again I doubt it because how do they get back if they do suddenly start playing yeah that's true So, do you, do you, so it's VE, VE Day on Friday. Which stands for Victory in Europe. Yeah. But does your generation kind of know what that is? Not really. I can't speak for my generation because I, I don't know all of them. But are your, gener- are your, your friends, are you talking about Friday's VE Day or not? No. We're talking about the fact that this would have been a really fun sunny bank holiday okay. and what we would have done this weekend. Do you think you and your friends will watch any of the coverage on Friday? Probably. I'm sure it'll be hard to miss. And I do think it's really important, you know, like, if you say, do, you, do your generation sort of notice it or take it seriously? I think we will have... I know you don't like the Johnson referencing to the war with this, but I think in 50 years' time, we will have a day where we'll remember all of the people who risked their lives this during is more this time. This day of jubilation and celebration because it was all over yeah and i don't think we will have a day like that because this is because it be, won't be you no, know there won't, won't be like that be for years and years i don't years. think it will ever be over <clears throat> but i think it, what would be nice is if you could go i know you can't because but you should go and sit and watch all the coverage with, with fiona's mum with my grandma audrey. audrey so i've been really worried about not audrey but old people right mm-hmm. now i watched this film the other day it wasn't set during this pandemic but I get so upset about old people. Like, whenever I see an old person on their own, I cry because I, I presume that they're lonely. I just have this thing about old people. And then I get really upset that there are so many old people right now who can't have human interaction mm. because they, they physically can't see anyone. And how sad that must be. 
and it makes me really upset and I just and, and then I start thinking about when the next time we'll actually be able to see Audrey is you know because mm. they'll start to ease the lockdown but I don't think we'll be able to interact with elderly people that'll be the last thing I'll tell you and I walked the dog up there to the way from the balcony a bit I did offer by the way to go and play with pipe pipes outside and she said no <coughs> she said no people will be having a nap she said absolutely not <laughs> So Too right. Uh, sick Aud- of it. Audrey, no, it's interesting. Though, I think that if you have been through something like the war, then I think it does give you that kind of resilience, probably, for something like this. And I mean, you know, given she doesn't like saying how old she is, but given how old she is, she's unbelievable. Hundred percent. Oh, sorry, I can't say hundred percent because that's been a whole uh, bugbear of yours. Um, I'm not going to ninety-nine lie. plus one percent. Yeah. J'agree with that. J'adore. <laughs> Um, okay, well, live, laugh, love. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you next week sometime. And you, you're going to go back to your own yeah, part of gonna, my maison? Or you're going to stay work. up in my office? Thank you very, very much for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is a pink protest production. And if you're wondering where the fantastic music comes from, it's by my favourite Scottish band, Skippinish. The wait is finally over and sport is back on Now TV. It's lights out and away we go! Where you can watch Sky Sports, Premier Sports and BT Sport together and all without a contract. What a fantastic part. So whether there's a day, week or whole month of action you just can't miss, you can now stream the lot. Oh, it's a fabulous goal! This is your sport on your terms. Search Now TV Sports to find out more. 18 plus content streamed via internet, full terms apply. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.